rolling, guys. Uh, yeah, a little introduction for yourselves. My name is Russell Doctorow. Yeah. I am a chef and a DJ on the side. Nice. Yeah, I'm Lewis, his twin brother. I'm a personal trainer. Um, yeah, that's all I do. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, again, ritual. For these episodes, we've got to hit uh, a shot to start with. So, should we do this? Oh, God. That's my one. Is this? This is, <laughs> this is my one. You got this one. It's brewing stuff. Alright. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Right. Jesus Christ. What time is it? 3 p.m.? Oh, son of a bitch. <clears throat> I'm getting used to these slowly. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. Okay. Oh, fuck. So, uh, Doctor of Brothers, you guys are actually quite um, well known in Hong Kong. Um, well, social, thank you. <laughs> social community, um, there's been a lot of good talk about you, so I'll start with you, Russ. Um, you, you're a chef, what got you into cooking? Uh, I mean, I was, you know, sort of the cliched story, I was always cooking from like a young age, um, and I think, you know, I used to, me and my brother used to play tennis quite competitively when we were younger, so I always thought I was gonna, you know, the dream was to try and go pro, and I think when I was like, <laughs> 13, 14, I sort of had a bit of like a, a breakdown. I was like, I don't want to play tennis anymore. I was sick of it. Mm -hmm. um, and sort of cooking was like something that I thought, you know, I could be pretty good at. So I just decided to sort of, you know, immerse myself in as much as I could before I went off to uni, um, okay. sort of in, in, uh, in high school here. Um, and then, yeah, just a sort of something that I just thought I could do for a sort of career. Yeah, you knew like in, was it year 12 or something? Yeah, I'd say you're 12. You're already correcting the... Uh, you see, but that's, you know, that's rare. Like, school. growing up in Hong Kong, I think it's rare. A lot of uh, younger kids, they don't really know what they're doing. If you know what you're doing, I think you're, you're set, and that's why you're pretty successful, you know? Like, the food that you put out there is good. I mean, do you see cooking as a type of art for you, or you just enjoy eating? Is it you know, like, I've worked in some really good restaurants, and I've worked with some really good chefs over the years, chefs that are older, younger. Um, some of them you see that you know there's that's all they just live and breathe cooking mm. um, and I've never been like that you know like cooking something I, I enjoy but it's not something that like I want to talk about 24-7 like I don't I don't like to hang around with other chefs outside of work okay because all they want to fucking talk about is, is recipes and shit so like I always <laughs> wanted to do the complete opposite you know and I was kind of famous when I was working at Gordon Ramsay's restaurant in uh, London yeah, okay. on the drop. weekends, you know, on the weekends I would be the one that would always be going to like Fabric and Egg Club and the sort of the running joke was on Monday if I was a little bit slow, you know, the chef would be asking me like how many fucking pills did you take <laughs> on the weekend, you know, so. That's um, crazy. Yeah, I just, you know, it's just two things that I've always enjoyed and, and yeah. Okay. And Lou, um, what, you, what got you into the fitness industry? Uh, well, unlike him, I didn't know what I was doing okay. uh, when I left high school, when I finished uni. Um, I, think one of my, I think it was like three years after I graduated, one of my friends got me working at this outdoor group training thing called boot camp. They do it up so in like, the cricket club. That, yeah. So that's how I started. It was like group classes that started at 5.30 in the morning, 6.30, 7.30, uh, So it was like pitch black when you'd be heading to work. Okay. Um, yeah. Started that, did that for a few years, but then I realized that I was going to be, or I wanted to be that trainer that works in the gym more with weights. Because yeah. in my mind, there's kind of like two categories. There's trainers that will do like the outdoor stuff with the bands and the, you know, making you do lunges and Hit shit. And, all that. and then there's the trainers that actually change the way someone looks and you need equipment for that. So, so do you think that like aesthetics go hand in hand with health? Like if you're looking better, you're going to feel healthier? Like this is, I mean, obviously, I mean, I was, I worked under you. I learned so much under you. Um, and I recently did a, uh, a nutrition course, and they're more talking about deep health and longevity. Um, 
what's your stance on how you know how aesthetics goes hand in hand with being healthy? Uh, I, I mean, yeah, you know, it's been. It's been I, I can't remember the last time I had a client or I got a client straight off the bat that was like super out of shape in terms of being like okay. really overweight. Yeah. But I mean, I've never met someone that's in shape that isn't healthy unless you know they're doing recreational shit on the side. But yeah, I mean, nutrition is what I've actually started to focus on more with my clients. I realized that I've had clients in the past. You remember that guy from TopFit, trained five times a week, oh. killed each session, yeah. but literally made zero progress for six months uh, and it was just because he was drinking a bottle of wine or two every night so <laughs> yeah i quickly realized kind that if you can get people counting calories and just understanding what the fuck's in each thing they're eating it just it does half the job for you you know and yeah i find day. i find it really cool that you actually you're, you're ballsy to not take on certain clients that are not willing to work because uh, in the industry it's quite competitive here it's saturated you know but in, income is needed so any P, any uh, PT will take on a client as much as they do, but you actually like will profile the client, and be like, "Are you ready to take on the salad?" Well, I want yeah, to train. I I never started like that. So when yeah. I first started, I was charging it was like three hundred bucks an hour, okay. and I would take on anybody because mm -hmm. I didn't know better. Like I had the famous story I tell is I had this client that had me. We'd meet up at like six thirty in the morning at Happy Valley, the racetrack three times a week and all she wanted me to do was run next to her around the track for an hour. She would run literally at about two miles an hour. So it was like this slow, painful, yeah, it was this slow, painful trudge that just like fucking at the end of each session, I was in more pain than her. Uh, but I still showed up because I needed the cash, you know? So it took me a while to get to that point. But when you do, you don't have any stress about that one client that just doesn't get results or you know, yeah. do anything for you. Because I used to spend a lot of time complaining mm. uh, to my girlfriend at home about clients. I was probably driving her nuts. So once you get those people out of the way that just aren't at the level you want them to be initially, then it's yeah. a happy life. Stress I guess I'm at a kind of crossroads at that a little bit at the moment, but I'm still learning. So it's like it's almost stab establishing your own craft in a way. You know. I mean, the thing that I do now that's really helped is before we even start, they fill out a questionnaire. We go back and forth with emails. I lay out exactly what they're gonna do. Like for the first four weeks, this is how many calories, blah, blah, blah. So they know straight off the bat, like what they need to hit every month in that 12 week period. Mm. So there's no confusion when we start. And it's been amazing. The last, I picked up three clients this year since I kind of recrafted that technique and it's worked perfectly. Like they're all like, killing like, it. Even as a personal trainer, like you need to, you need to have a sort of a brand about you. Like people need to know if I choose to work with this trainer, this is what I'm going to get out of it. You know, like you go to Armani, you know you're going to get a certain type of suit versus if you went to Versace. And I think all too often trainers, they just sort of, they just sort of like to just be seen as this generic, we can do everything, whatever it is you want to, you want to focus on, we can do it sort of attitude. And I think that's what separates the good trainers yeah, from hundred percent. Have you ever guys considered collaborating food meal plans together? You're a chef. I did run that by you a few years ago. I remember. <laughs> Uh, but the first thing, he just shut it down straight away. He's just like logistically like had the handling, the preparation of the food, like how long it lasts, you know, getting it to the people. It was just like too much okay. trouble. You know, like I don't I, think there's much profit in it. A I may lot, be of, wrong, a lot of people do the whole, you know, nutrition kitchen and these totally sort of these meals where, they, you know, those guys actually do a good come yeah, shop. Yeah. Look, to the average person, what you're getting in that little box, it's okay. Mm -hmm. From from my perspective, it's it's not the greatest, you know. Like okay. their margins are, you know, they're they're printing cash. But I don't I don't necessarily really enjoy cooking with a huge emphasis on nutrition, you know. Or like, having to watch calories. I don't like calories. I don't like to cook the other end of the spectrum, which is super unhealthy junk food. But yeah. you know, if if 
when I, you know, he's even had me sort of like starting to count my calories of what I eat, and like the first few weeks I was going fucking mental. Like I was, like, <laughs> I was like getting me to weigh like rice and stuff. Like I was like, I can't live like this, you know. But then once I, I would agree, once I understood, you know, how to do it by eye and stuff, then I realized, you know, that that you know it is super important to know. Yeah, like it literally took you what a week yeah. of doing it. But those and then you get those clients that you ask them to count a calorie and they act as if they got to do all this work. It's, yeah. it's crazy. I don't know. Maybe there might be something. I think it's it's too easy to think that he's the trainer, I'm the chef. We're we going to do something. Maybe yeah, there's something there later down the line. Yeah. Um, but food I'm, is more taste for you. I'm assuming it's, it's, it needs to be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, look, you can still eat. You can still eat healthy, and and you know the Perhaps. recipes that I try to come up with. I, I try. You know, I try to keep that in focus. That's yeah. something that. It's so popular at the moment. Everyone is conscious about their health. So, so I mean, working with Lou and working in the PT industry for about four years now, uh, I know what is it's it only been four? Shit. 2016, 17? Seems longer than that. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, it seems longer than that. It's good times, though. I enjoyed it a lot. But, um, you know, um, I had a huge influx of clients after the second wave, and, you know, mm. I knew what it felt like to be busy. So, I know what kind of it's like to be under the pressure as a PT. What's it like behind the kitchen? I've heard stories that it's really fast paced, you know? It's yeah. crazy hours. I mean, look, it really, it really depends on the kitchen you work in. I think any kitchen that has Michelin stars, um, they operate at a, at, a, at a higher level, you know? Like, the, mm. the, before I moved back to Hong Kong, I worked in two restaurants that both had three Michelin stars, but they were quite different. You know, the first one was very sort of classic French. Um, you know, th this restaurant had three Michelin stars consecutively for over 30 years, which is one of the longest you know, wow. in, in, in England. Um, but that kitchen survived on a lot of young French trainee chefs. Um, you need those, you just need that mass of people to do all the really tiny, really pedantic jobs. Whereas when I worked at Hospital Road, we had a small kitchen. There was like six of us in that kitchen. Okay. And we were cooking for like 40 people, lunch and dinner, Monday to Friday. So you, you learn to just work a thousand times faster. Um, you know, I think as, as the years have sort of evolved, that mentality, that old school mentality of like kitchens are like almost like you're working in the army, that's, people are trying to change that and I, mm. and I sort of agree with it. But I also think, again, it depends on the kind of restaurant you're working at, the level that they're trying to achieve, you know. And Lou, you, you um, obviously, I remember you've obviously worked long hours at Top Fit. I saw that you pushed and pushed and Yeah, pushed. so that was actually the first like real gym that I've worked at. So yeah. I went there kind of a different route. I didn't start at a gym, like Pure or something, where you kind of just have to walk around and introduce yourself to clients. I always kind of did my own thing. <clears throat> so Topic was really the first, first place I worked at where it was like, yeah, you got to be in at this time and do that. So yeah. yeah, I do remember, yeah, I mean, I was doing like at least 10 to 11 a day. Yeah, I remember uh, that. Monday to Friday, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was fucking crazy. And yeah, I mean, the annoying thing was the gym took, you know, 45% of that <laughs> or 50, so. Yeah, that was yeah, looking back, it's like, where are they now? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, looking back, it's, in my opinion, it's way better. You don't need to work for a gym. I mean, you just need a space, and that's why that whole rental space shit's taken off now. Yeah. So, uh, that's all you really need. But that's always the conversation I have with him, like, the gym model itself. Like, it's I'm always a fan of trying to reimagine things and, and sort of change things. And, you know, I, if someone tells me this is how it's supposed to be, my first instinct is like, no, fuck you, I'm going to figure out a better way to do it. Mm. So I think that's what needs to happen in the gym industry, you know, like before, again, it's it the was, same shit. It's open a gym, get a, get a little bit of track so you can push a sled there and, you know. <laughs> but like all like, that equipment, like how much does all that equipment cost? And, and you put it in a space and then if anything goes wrong, 
Well, Hong Kong, I don't feel is the space to even be opening a gym. The rent's way too high. In the states, you can get a warehouse for like nothing. Yeah, the equipment's like made there. Yeah, the shipping True. is a lot less as well. Like just setting up a gym True. is just setting just up a so gym. The, the, call, the fixed cost. Yeah, and then I don't need that stress of you, you know need to maybe, make that maybe, money yeah, every month. You should approach more of these sort of like co-working spaces. You yeah, know? they take huge floors. Yeah, and if they can have the perk of having an on-site gym, but again, it's just you know how many how many people can you train one-on-one? -on -one? Well, day, that's the day. thing about being a PT is yeah. you're always going to max out at that whatever that number Where's is your a day. So there is a kind of a limit to how much you can make. So you always want to look at other ways you can Guys, sure. make money. Yeah, why not? <laughs> cool. Are we sure? Oh, no, I'm good. <laughs> I need food. How's it going at um, Maximus? It's good. It's good. Because that's like the one gym I don't think I, I ever see a, a post about. They don't. The social media, they're very they're like, they're, 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 they're like quiet, you know? So it's... Uh... I did see uh, Jefferson the other day. He walked past me. And that guy just <laughs> keeps getting bigger like yeah, every fucking day. He it's takes off his top. Uh, I was like, you know, you think like a no, guy... No, he was wearing like a long sleeve <laughs> shirt, a shirt that was baggy and you could still tell that he was fucking... That's the ultimate goal, you know? Baggy clad guy does, does, it, big. does it well. Um, I mean like... We, I mean, he took off his top just to, you know, progress photos, and like, you'd think a lot of girls would be looking at him with good-looking bodies. All the dudes looking at him like, uh, Jesus Christ, I want that, I want that body. But, I mean, his triple training style is um, basically a, a lot of volume to extreme failure with heavy weight, and that's nice. what it is. It's uh, yeah, I've never actually got to see him train anyone. Yeah, I've trained with cool. him quite a lot, and yeah. uh, it's enjoyable, but it's intense. Like the sessions are, yeah, it's something different. And then you got the other two guys there as well. It's Ken and, and there's like another guy who's always Ken, Isaac, huge. Isaac, he's yeah. an IFBB pro, I think. So you're lucky. You actually got like bodybuilders yeah. to watch their technique. Yeah. That, I've, I've learned a lot from there. That's why I like that gym. And there was um, a female trainer called Lou, who's <laughs> uh, more into sports specific, I think. But she was also very good. She okay, I think I should go to the gym with her. Lou yeah. McCallum, I think. Lou and Lou. Lou and Lou. Yes. Yeah, great marketing. <laughs> All right. I can see the merch already. All right, number two. For episode two. <laughs> For episode two. Fuck off. Uh, I'm just done with this bottle. Alright, um, I want to actually talk, I mean, I was inspired by y Eric and you, and obviously you getting tattoos. So I think, <laughs> I Eric. Eric uh, I think I used to work at, a, at the gym with us. So this is the thing, I never ever wanted tattoos. I was like, I'm never going to get them, and never going to get them. But I think influence is such a real thing that when you're around it, and if you partially like something, you start to edge it, and if you're in that environment every single day, you're like, okay, maybe I can get it. And it's weird, and I got it after I think Lou was gonna get one. So, hey, Paul, can you film us getting, showing us our tattoos? Yeah. Yeah? So what was, what was your first tattoo, dude? Well, the funny thing is, I didn't get my first one until I was like 30, I think 33? Yeah, a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, this is so all like within two years, new, but yeah. 33, so the, the great thing, I was always the one who wanted a tattoo first, and okay. I was used to say in high school, you know, I wanted the forearm one, so then we go oh, off to uni, and then what about, the, what about the one you wanted on your back? This guy wanted a giant <laughs> Okay, so I won't lie, a I, saw, I saw a picture piece. of a guy in a magazine, I think it was uh, Tyson <laughs> Beckford, the also model, someone. and he had a uh, God We Trust, it was basically from like the dollar but bill. But you know religious. I know, so that was the shit everyone was giving me, so that was when I was 18, and then I kind of just like put it to the side. And then he came back from uni, I think, with the no, so like, so, so that one first. In right? high school, I was a huge Dennis Rodman fan. So like, I, he, he had some... The worm. I gotta be honest, his tattoo is pretty horrible. But, you know, I love tattoos. And, you know, I always... But I never actually thought, yeah, that I would... I always thought he would get it first. Because mm. he was really big into the whole hip-hop thing more than I was. And, yeah, so I, my, you know, my first tattoo was this one that I got in London. 
So God, it's a, fucking tiny. I swear when you got that, it was like the whole so size just of So it was, it was this, this really famous tattoo studio in London called The Family Business. And it's, Family the, business. the inside is modeled like something out of like an old Italian mobster sort of film. Um, been there for, for quite a number of years. And yeah, I, I came, you know, I went down there. I wanted to get, you know, karma because yeah. I'm sort of, I'm not a religious person, but I sort of, I do believe in that. And I think it, you mm. know, I, okay. I've got a bit of a temper on me. So this sort of is hopefully like a reminder to just, you know, that's cool. Think that's about, cool. you know, the, the after effect. Yeah, I mean, like both your qualities are amazing. The Buddha is really nice. I mean, Zing Tattoo, I've always wanted to get it from them. They're very pricey, but That's really quality good, yeah. shows, like you know? Lincoln, it's the quality <laughs> is insane. It's so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, so the story behind this one. Uh, I always like those, like the Greek statues where the eyes have like, there's nothing on them, they're just like cold and Cold, dead. yeah. I don't know what that really means, but... So is there any meaning behind any of your tattoos? I mean, I just think this looks good. I mean, no, the way you phrase that, it's yeah. just like... <laughs> I mean, I know it looks just like a random... I mean, that's a skull with a bandana. That's another that's some American statue on it. And that's a skull with, <laughs> with a roll of Benji's at the bottom. So, you know what? I think this is... Uh, I just think it looks good, yeah. That's my favorite one. Too into. I love angel type of uh, work, so that's my favorite one, personally. I mean, yeah, my, my artist, that's what he initially specializes in, Jun Cha. You know, he does all this, like, Greek mythology, mm. these statues. Um, but when, you know, and I've, I've been following him for, for, you know, a couple of months on Instagram, and then I saw one day he put a post, like, coming to Hong Kong for two weeks, DM for appointments. And, yeah, you, you know, think my guy's expensive, though. I, you know, like, usually the wait list for him is, like, mental. It's, like, five to six years. And, wow. and I saw we had a mutual connection. Um, Shout out to Lindsay from Yardbird, and she she hooked <laughs> me up, and, and I got you know I got the appointment. Um, but nice. I didn't I didn't want to do the whole Greek thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I have no interest in that, right. and like I, I did I did find myself going you know trying to do research on it. Like if I was to get it, who would I get? And it was just like I can't go through with this. You know, like it mm. means absolutely nothing to me. So you know, I've always wanted. Actually, that's know. crazy that you're you're trying to make fun of this one. You have to see his latest project, the one that's supposed to go here. Have you? Oh, it's oh, like it's, you know the human anatomy right. chart where the guy's just like this. Hey, I like just, that. But it's just his muscles, like the no, raw no, muscle no, tissue. It's, not that. it's like no, that. Like it's some weird. It's shit. not. It's it's. It, it sort of goes into a very DMT inspired you cosmos see, universe. This is. If it's done well, I'm 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 all for that. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, we saw the <laughs> we saw the sketch. I'll show you. It. I'll show you. It. I literally thought he was like. Off one like that is <laughs> show okay. Hey, I I I I don't I, I can't disagree on that because if it's DMT psychedelics like my this first one was based because I sleepwalk. Yeah. So and most of my sleepwalking is like night terrors, and I asked my brother I was like why is this like he's like just just imagine that like if you're in in a bit of a ruckus and you're like running away from something just think that it's your guardian angel. So I'm like okay I'm gonna get a guardian angel. These are the demons and like legitimately I was sleepwalking for like a. A long time. I haven't sleepwalked in months, which is a good thing, but it's a so weird. I don't know. You found the cure to sleepwalking. I think so. Shit, I don't know open. anyone that sleepwalks. Are your eyes open or closed? They're open. So it looks oh, as if you're awake. Yeah. Weird. So, but I don't have any control until I like um, until I kind of like break through. I kick my fucking door <laughs> until you end up downstairs <laughs> on the street. Okay. Yeah. They only last like ten to twenty seconds. So, so your eyes are open, but you're like dreaming, but you're 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 semi conscious yeah. of where you are. So you just feel like you're. Yeah. You can go through doors. Yeah, you know, I remember I was on I was on football tour in 2007, specifically in Bangkok, and I walked out of the hotel room like in my boxers, and I got locked. I didn't have a key, so I had to go to reception no, in my it's, boxers. It's the best. convenient excuse. <laughs> the best get out of jail. Like, find you in the red light district, and yeah. it's like I'm sleepwalking. Oh wait, wait, what time is it? This is my bed. Where are my pants? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but 
That's crazy. Yeah, we have to watch this guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Well, um, I mean, I like to get tattoos in places that you can see them without having to like take your shirt off. Like, yeah, I would love to get a piece on the back, but then it's like, you know what? I, I want to show it off a little. So I was skeptical yeah, about your neck. Kind of running out of spots. Like on my ankles. Like me too. Me too. I think everyone was when he but, he literally told all of our group of friends, <laughs> and everyone's reaction was the same, but he still went ahead with it. Like, oh, the neck one? Yeah. I, I rated, um, I rated, not gonna lie. I, think my, I, I remember while he was getting tattooed, he sent me a photo of him in the chair, and I was like, holy fuck, I, and I messaged my parents. I don't know. I had well, to the funny thing was the up, night before. They messaged me, and they were like, have you seen what he's doing? And I was like, look, he's thought about it, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they were... Now, the funny thing is the night before, they had to come over to my place to um, drop something off. So, they, you know, they stayed for like an hour. Mm. And at no point did I mention anything about the neck tattoo appointment the next day. So then I get to the place at like 10 a.m. And I'm sitting there and I just send a picture of the uh, design to my mom. I'm like, this is what I'm getting. And, you know, she sends the first text back like, yo, you joking, right? I'm like, no. And then it was like 30 minutes of her just like going off on me like, yo, you're going to ruin your chances of doing this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm a trainer. You know, like having a neck tat is not going to define But it was, me, all, you know? it was all the cliched arguments that a parent yeah, would yeah. give. And then, of course, you saw it. Then the next day after the tattoo, it was the opening of um, your Such restaurant at Repos, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So then that was the first time I would see my parents. And the crazy thing was it was also in front of all my friends who, who knew. Really? So it was like this big reveal when I walked in and just to see my parents' faces. But they took it well. And yeah, now my mom likes it, so. Yeah. Next one on the other side. Why not? Yeah, that's that's probably the next logical place. But what is, what is the next tattoo for you? Where? I want to finish my leg. The whole leg. Just just like, one leg or just one leg. I think that's it. I think a sleeve and a leg is what I want. Yeah. But I mean the pain threshold. On opposite sides. Yeah, diagonal okay. a little bit. I would. That's gonna look weird. Then you're gonna be like, I'm gonna have to balance this. Out. <laughs> that was my that was my excuse with my parents. I was like, you know, I just want to get this sleeve yeah. first. But I gotta balance it because it looks silly. I gotta say, so I, I don't know if I could do like this area. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, the this, was, region. this was fucking annoying. I can't imagine what it feels like to go around that elbow joint. I don't mine, know mine got in, actually got infected, like right there. Oh, there, yeah. You, it's it was a the day before like the rugby sevens. So I was there in the middle of the south stand with this like <laughs> green pus on my elbow. Urine raining. Couldn't have it covered, you know. Um, but it turned out alright. So I see, actually. Um, actually, I just wanted to ask, how much have you guys spent on your tabs oh, now? A lot, man. Because that's the other thing is, um, what is it adds up. Sleeve is probably like maybe close to. I would say give to 30 to 40k on this whole sleeve, and then another what, 10, 11k, another 10k. I mean, I think I'm, so a, I'm close, around 80 to 100. I'm about 80. Yeah. I'm about that 80. was that sleeve was like 15, and then I'd say all oh, this work is about 80,000. Okay, yeah. So it's yeah. simple. I mean, tattoo artists if they wait, good, just that was 80. Yeah. Charges like that's about thirty thousand Hong Kong. That was thirty, and then we did a touch up of like twenty. He, he, he's he a, charge you a minimum of five thousand US. I'm in the wrong profession, man. <laughs> Honestly, he was well, when he did this. He was what twenty six years old. Wow. Um, flying all over the fucking world for like two weeks at a time. You know, doing his sessions, charging thirty thousand per day. I mean, this guy's just printing money. You know, but he's he's so talented, so it's like down to earth. Yeah. How have you been getting on with the hand one? Uh, it's been good. Have you been like meeting people and they like shake your hand? They're like, oh, yeah. Like, I, say, I like the, I like the, the, the <laughs> you know, I like the sleeves, but I also like the hand um, tattoos as the, well. I had like a basically a long like kind of debate with uh, my Felix, and I was, he's like, I don't want you to. This is too. It's gonna get distorted. And I was like, no, I want this. Yeah. I want it. I want it. I want the it. Fade. And basically, mm -hmm. he just he just kind of gave in and, and did it. So everyone's like, who's this? I was like, this is like my ex girlfriend. They're like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, no, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a bit too deep. Yeah, that'd be pretty. Yeah, that's good. But uh, I see a lot of, so this is the thing, I see a lot of DJs that have tattoos. I know you're very into music. Indeed. Um, 
You too, Lou. I mean, you have your own style. Oh, you um, DJ? This is SoundCloud rapper. <laughs> SoundCloud rapper, DJ. Juice World. I really like Juice World, by the way. <laughs> um, you're still DJing, right? I do, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been DJing since I was like, fuck, like 17 years old. Okay. Um, you know, I never, I never had my own decks at home or any of the equipment. So the only time I got to play was if, you know, if I made friends with a DJ at one of the clubs here. Um, you know, there's a guy, Anthony and Fabio, they used to play. They were the residents of Bolar oh, yeah. back in the day. And they were like, look, they could see how much like I was into DJing. You know, like every night I was there, I was just sort of watching them in the booth, you know, how they use the equipment. And they were like, look, we'll let you come. You can do the warm-up set for like two hours. Yeah. You know, it's fucking nerve-wracking because like, you, ne you know, I, I don't get the chance to practice on that equipment. Mm. I would just listen to like hours and hours of live sets and understand like when this song is playing and when this song is coming in and understanding like how they're doing that. Um, watching yeah. shit ton of videos on YouTube. That's software you use, like I can't get my head around it. I don't know if you've ever tried to edit a video. I did that for the first time I mean, that's why I got the last year uh, <laughs> when I did my training videos and that shit is insane. And look, it's, I, with I, anything, it's just, you know, the more you that use Adobe, it. Was it the Power Pro something? Adobe Pro? Premiere Pro? Like That's that? what it's called? Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I've been doing since I was 17. And, and again, it's, it's, you know, I never really liked to just be a chef and just focus on that. You know, I always liked being able to, you know, I love clubbing and going out in the evening. And, yeah. you know, luckily I've been to some really cool clubs around the world. Something that you know, Hong Kong always seems to be missing. You know, I think uh, I think music with gym and food goes really hand in hand. I went to a restaurant recently, Kinship. You know yeah. Kinship. I mean, the I mean, my I, I thought the playlist was really good. The food was good. What was the playlist? <laughs> it was a mixture of like obviously like I don't know like old school punk rock to like kind of yeah. and sometimes techno, which was crazy. Nice. So I was like, this is my balance, and I was like, this is amazing. And then obviously complemented with the food, so I was like. This is really good, and then obviously, if you train and the music is good, you know there's there's so many opportunities to to work with good music and and uh, obviously, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't remember remember like uh, I've heard places where they've had uh, DJ sets in the gym. I'm well, not I was for just that. gonna get onto that topic. I'm not for that. Uh, <laughs> music in the gym, a little side topic, but. I mean, I remember at Top Fit, that was just the bane of my existence. Just so having to deal with like so many people wanting to play whatever they wanted to listen to. Because I kind of, I decided Everybody to do have a kind of like a democracy where like, yeah, I'll, you play some of your shit, I'll play some of mine. And then it just got to the point where... But then you realize not everyone has good taste in music. Yeah, and there's, there's, stuff, there's stuff you shouldn't be listening to in a gym. And I'm going to go out there and put it on the table. Reggaeton. It's got no place in the gym. The problem is everybody... Wants to be a DJ. Everybody wants Shut to play their music <laughs> until they realize that their music is shit. You know, and that's it's hard for people to take, and then they get very defensive. Listen, I know, like, I mean, I would have never thought I listened to country music, and I love country music. Sometimes there's a time and a place, place for any kind of music. <laughs> Reggaeton. There's a time and a place, but it's maybe it's not at the gym. At the gym, yeah, you know? exactly. You're but right. you know, even when it comes back to music and restaurants, it's it's such an overlooked aspect of the whole experience. You know, like. All too often, you you go to a restaurant and they've spent all this money on design, and then they have these shitty speakers that you'd see in someone's like apartment, and you can't hear it, and it sounds muffled, or there's no thought to the playlist. They've just gone onto Spotify and they and found like a restaurant yeah. dinner playlist. I mean, know? I think Yarbrough was like one of the first places that at least played like hip hop. Like it was. Yeah, loud, you know, but, but like, was... but if you go to anywhere in LA where they're sort of inspired from, that's just normal. And I think it's cool when chefs, you know, have their own restaurants, like these guys at Kinship, and they get to play their music, because then you see a bit of their personality, um, yeah. you know? So you're getting their food, you're getting the design, you're getting the, the music, you know, the full package. I didn't realize those guys do music at Kinship. 
Well, have, I mean, they just like their, they, 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 they put playlist, together yeah. a playlist. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know? When was the last musical festival you guys went to? Ooh, it mean Coachella. Coachella last year. Coachella, okay. That was his first, his no, first I mean, time. I mean, I, does, I know it doesn't count. That um, Was it the Rewind? The Alternate? Wasn't that after Coachella? No. Alternate was the year before. Oh, shit. <laughs> What's in this? <laughs> yeah, Coachella. That was Coachella the last Coachella last year. Coachella. That, that was, was my first ever like big music festival. Yeah, so music like, I just remember like the crowds kind of freaked me out a bit like in the evening like Coachella lost was, was like a real Coachella thing. is it's you know like we had some we had some of the people in our group and they'd been to Tomorrowland mm. they came to Coachella they're like like there's nothing here you know and I think that's that's the extreme you know like Tomorrowland is is just so fucking over the top it's all this extra bullshit whereas Coachella you're in the fucking desert you, like you don't need any you know over the top decorative pieces you know yeah the stages had crazy lighting and crazy sound and visuals but it's it's a very like minimal sort of festival you know okay it's not to everyone's taste yeah. you know um but you cannot like that's one of the best settings for a festival it does look know? good it does i look was good. there i wish i went with you guys it was when uh, first weekend you were first weekend we were second, second weekend. weekend yeah yeah we, 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 oh shit, sorry i thought you meant he's, he was at tomorrow no i never been to yeah. tomorrow okay, I was like, no. i'm not going to tomorrow he was like second weekend like you didn't invite <laughs> me okay <laughs> no yeah it, coachella was good i liked it uh, it was really fucking good I think by the third day though I was over, like I could have gone home. You know, like Coachella's great until, it, you know, like when it finishes in the evening. Yeah, it's like, until midnight, right? When the sun goes down, it's terrifying because, you know, you're all yeah. a little bit buzzed and if you lose, the space is so That was it's huge. It was like, you lose your group of you people. You realize you're just one person in this crowd yeah, of like yeah, you're 3,000. For sure. That's it. You're, you're done. Yeah. You know? So that's why I was wearing this ridiculous jacket. You know what had happened? Um, uh, I think it was the first, the second night. It was obviously sundown. It was the, the stages were closing. Music was still going on. I had lost my wallet. It dropped and I was like, fuck, I had to cancel my credit card. Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, and I, I got it as I was leaving LA. This girl um, messaged me on Instagram. She's like, I've got your ID, your wallet. Come to IHOP. I was like, I, I took an Uber there. And I was like, you know, that would never happen in Hong Kong. You know, I think it's it's so nice, you know, so friendly. That's what I really like. An American. You're lucky. That could have been some sicko. Like, yeah. Trying to get you. <laughs> yeah. I'm working trafficking. Human trafficking. I think out. I think that's what is really cool. The difference. I've been to a lot of festivals in Europe, and I think, I think I've only been to one festival in America and in DC, but that was an event. They're just way more friendlier. I That's think. what I, yeah. The LA vibe, like if someone you see someone smoking weed and you just look at them, you're like, hey, you want a buff? <laughs> yeah, you know, like it's just, it's you know that that's that's what it is. It's the people as well. You know, we also did. The year before that, we did the famous Time Warp Techno mm. Festival in in Germany. That was intense. That was fucking different. <laughs> it was like, very I, dark for me personally. You, after you left, it was just me and my wife, um, and she's not in into techno by any means, but like I was like, like, you need to come to this festival. Even she at the end of it was like, holy fuck, that was insane. It was you an know, experience. Like, but I gotta say, like we were there till like 9, 10 in the morning, and I was just like looking at the people's faces in the crowd, like, fuck, zombies. <laughs> I mean, I prefer the outdoor stuff. I didn't stuff, know like, like faces Coachella. could stretch yeah. like that. It was, I don't like the <laughs> you know? Could stretch like that. And, like, and the funny thing is, it was probably his face that was fucked up the most. <laughs> yeah, you know, was, the right. But it was like, that's when I was like, we need to go. Go, was, yeah. But yeah. you know, that was, we left at like 10 a.m. and it goes until 4 p.m. 4 p.m., yeah. So it's, it's from 8 p.m. Saturday evening to 4 p.m. Sunday, Sunday afternoon. afternoon. Like it's, it's mental. Like, and yeah. some people- Well, there's no like break? No, you and some people, like Coachella. No, like they would break. sell tickets. <laughs> no. They would sell discounted tickets if you wanted to come after six a.m. on Sunday morning until four p.m. Wow! It's just you know that was you know that the production yeah. over there was insane. It was you know, crazy. Like, but so well organized. 
well organized, um, very big, um, different vibe for me personally. Yeah, there were some weird moments, you yeah, know, like yeah. we're out of out of nowhere. We're like, we all start screaming because our eyes were burning because someone had sprayed mace in the fucking air, and we were just like, we didn't know where to run. It so we were like, like, let's let's put it this way, like, I mean, I don't like to put it. Ameri <laughs> where the fuck were we? <laughs> We were in we German were in Satan, Satan Bikes Garden. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, and but then like, the other friend that was, he was yeah. throwing up everywhere. We were like, yeah, and then we lost, Seth, Seth and then was the girl, um, and Louise. We lost her for like hey. two hours. We were like, is she dead? And then she just comes back like, <laughs> we're like, where have you been? She's like, it's just the bathroom. That was two hours ago. She thought it was like 15 minutes. Yeah. She was and, out of it. And this is the funniest thing. Like, she was obviously on, like, she was in another level. And she's like, Seb was talking to Yuki. And Seb's just talking to Yuki, and Louise is like, you know what, Seb, like, stop hitting on her. You know, she's married. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? We're all together. Like, we like, had a dinner before we got here. Do you remember that? Louise. Yeah. Fucking Shout out. That was, she, was, she was hilarious, I gotta say. The, but, you know, uh, your group of friends made, made that night. No, I mean, I think I realized incredible. after that, we spent a lot of time in Coachella in that Yuma tent. Oh, and I realized I prefer Yuma. the outdoor oh, you setting. space. Some daytime stuff that that got real dark in that room real quick. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know where or who I was for a long time. <clears throat> yeah, cool. I think it was my first and last Coachella. Yeah, and then obviously yeah, like Sonar Festival. We've done that a few years. You know, that was in Hong Kong. That is. <laughs> I do remember. I do remember it was that so first bad. time. Holy I was gonna run after you, but I was like, oh, <laughs> you, know, fuck up. You, you looked like you were good in, in, a, in your own way. But that that's again like for for Hong yeah. Kong festivals. That one is. No, I have to say, I was impressed with the sound system at Alternate. This was yeah, the one at PMQ? This was PMQ, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I do remember cool. walking into that room and just being like, oh, okay, this is it. But yeah, the, no, the didn't, crowd didn't. was weird. The, it was, the stage was really high and you could like barely see the DJ, so it was weird. And it was never fully packed in there. But for fuck, for a Hong Kong event, like I love anything that's during the day. You know, like it's, it's cool. It's partying in the night is great, but the day that I mean, the weather is lucky. We're lucky here with the weather. I think. I think. I think the buildings. I think the view is one of a kind. You know. I yeah. think if the setting is there, it's unfortunate that the the rent for the land is so expensive that you can't host these festivals. Yeah. I think the best festival actually I've been is a Secret Island Party in yeah. Chao and I think that was amazing. Obviously, they couldn't hold it for too long, but. That was very cool. Like you're on an island. Yeah. And I went. I went to that. I don't know if it was their first year or their second year. Um, but even even with these events, you know, having having helped out not in that one but in other ones, you realize like there's so much work that goes behind the scenes. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. at the event, everyone there is you know you're partying, you're taking whatever you want. But for some people, they're still working. And then when everyone goes away, you gotta pack everything up and like move it out. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's tough. It's yeah. tough work, you know. So like, did you see the the pictures of that? They they held some music festival like with. The COVID precaution measures in place, so it was like these little a few. square allotments in front yeah. of the stage, surrounded by like four barricades with like three seats or oh, two really? seats, and you're just like in these little square cubes in front of the stage trying to enjoy the music festival. I mean, if that's the future, it's gonna have to be house party. I can't see now. that being the future. <laughs> yeah. I can't. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's the end of it. I think uh, ran through all the questions. Thanks for coming on the show. I think well, it was fun. So too. Here's some. I think that was uh, it was a great episode. I think it was super fun. We should do it again sometime. For sure. Down the line and. Yeah, I mean, next time happens. I'm gonna have a I'm gonna require a fee to be here, but yeah, okay. let's do it. Perfect. <clears throat> Done.